It's Wednesday, May 23rd, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. On January 19th of this year, Lifeline had the privilege of hosting a storytelling event in partnerships with Arc Stories, ARCStories.com, in Birmingham, Alabama. The night featured seven storytellers recounting stories of healing and hope. One of our storytellers was Lisa Terry. Lisa and her husband Zeke live in Trinity, Alabama with their family of six. Their hearts were pricked for adoption upon hearing about a little girl in Lifeline's foster center with a significant heart defect. They adopted their daughter, Judy Lynn, through Lifeline's China program over two years ago. Listen now as storyteller Lisa Terry tells more about bringing home the little girl from China who shouldn't have lived. In November of 2016, our dossier had been submitted to China. We were just waiting on a match, a referral of a little girl. We had been invited to um, a church local to us, but not our home church, to hear Herbie Newell speak for, for Orphan Sunday. Although at first we declined the invitation and said, no, we, we can't go, we have to go to our church, I couldn't shake the feeling that we needed to be at Life Point for whatever reason. So on Sunday morning, we went to small groups at our church, and then at the end of small groups, I turned to my husband and said, I really just think we need to go to Life Point. Let's grab the kids. This was uncharacteristic for me. I'm the type A planner. Like, it was not written in my calendar, so we were not supposed to go to Life Point that day. But my husband kind of thrives on spur of the moment. So he said, sure, let's go. And we grabbed the kids, and off we went. Well, I think I had expected more of like a state of lifeline. This is what's going on with orphan care throughout the world. But Herbie actually preached that day. I was scribbling, just trying to keep up with him in my sermon notes. And he had just gotten back from China from a a trip there. And he told the story of an orphanage that they had visited. He said that when he walked into the orphanage, there were two things that you noticed um, just right off the bat. The first was the stench. The babies would lay in their own waist for hours on end because no one would come and change them. The second thing that you noticed was the silence. There were over 150 babies crammed into this tiny space in the orphanage, but you could hear a pin drop. The babies had realized that no one would respond to their cries, so they had simply stopped crying. He said there was one exception. Just a couple of days prior to the team's visit, a little tiny baby girl had been dropped off on the front steps of the orphanage, and she was crying loudly. And so her cries were multiplied by the fact that no one else was crying. It was just loud. He said she had not yet learned the secret of Swayshi. I stopped. I couldn't even process what he had just said, so I sat for just a moment. I stopped writing, and I just let everything kind of sink in. And I flipped over to the back of my sermon notes, and I said, so, can we ask him for that little crying baby in Swayshi? Well, my husband kind of rolled his eyes at me. I tend to be a little impulsive sometimes and nodded to the front like, you're supposed to be listening. So I go back to listening. We get to the end of the sermon, and we introduced ourselves to the Newell family. Herbie asked us where we were in our process. We told him we were a Lifeline China family and we told him that we were just waiting to be matched. And so my second uncharacteristic moment of the day, I was a little overly outspoken and I just said, so if there's a crying baby in Swayshi, like we're, we're available, we're your people. 
He asked us about our age parameters and our special needs considerations, and so I started detailing all of our boxes that we've checked and what we think we're okay with and what we're not okay with, and he just interrupted me and said, heart condition? So I looked at Zeke, and he nodded, and I said, yes, we're okay with the heart condition. And he said, that's all I can really say for right now. I do not remember anything else that was said. I don't know how the conversation ended, and I'm not really sure how we got back to the car. I just know that when we got to the car and I started again and I said, Zeke, did we just ask for our baby girl? He said, I really don't know, but it feels like something just happened. About three days later, the phone rang and I looked down and saw the lifeline number and it was our social worker. She said, Lisa, we have a file for your family to review. It's that girl that Herbie was talking about on Sunday, that little crying baby from Swayshi. We opened up the file and immediately this big smile just tore our hearts. So we started to look through the file and we noticed that she had had some genetic testing done in China. Now, I don't know if you're a mom, but if you're a mom, you know that Dr. Google is no help to you. If you're holding a baby in your arms and you can see the baby and you know what's wrong with the baby, Dr. Google is not help, much less if it's a baby that's halfway across the world. So we typed in a few things and we, it had lots of X's and question marks because it didn't all come over in translation. And we finally decided just to forward the file to the International Adoption Clinic and our pediatrician to see what they had to say. We waited, and while we waited, of course, we looked through all of the pictures that were in the file. And those eyes just seemed to stare holes right through me. And so after a couple of days, I had decided, like, I'm ready to just throw caution to the wind and say yes to this little girl. I don't care what the doctors say, just let me have her. The International Adoption Clinic finally called us back, and they said that her heart condition seemed to be a relatively simple case. One open heart surgery, Simple, right? Like we know we've gone God crazy when we're talking about an open heart surgery on a baby is a simple thing. And she should be fine. The unknown of her file was the genetic testing that had been done. She went through several, several scenarios of what it could mean. And she urged us to consider the worst case scenario. And that if that worst case scenario did not fit the parameters that we had set for our family at the outset, before we saw any photos or any videos that might sway us that we needed to say no to this file. Our pediatrician called a couple of days later and reiterated what the doctor at the IAC had told us, that there was uncertainty in her medical file and that we didn't know what the future would look like for her. I really think we went into the adoption process looking for the Chinese girl with like a missing pinky toe. I don't know, we had checked the blanket box of like minor correctable special needs. And this was definitely outside of the parameters that we had set for ourselves. And so we were heartbroken, we were devastated. There were long nights of no sleep, lots of Googling, lots of ugly crying. And we finally reached out to some other people, some friends of ours whose daughter saw a geneticist. Maybe they could give us more information. So we asked for more information, forwarded files again, and just continued to wait. So Monday rolls around and the phone number that pops up on my phone is not the geneticist, it's our social worker who would like to know our decision. Well, from the fetal position, I could not give her a decision. And I explained to her that we were still waiting for information. We couldn't give her a yes or no at that point. And I really felt like I was giving this baby back. She surprised me and she told me that because we were waiting on information that we could be given another week to get more information and wait for these doctors. We were elated. When we hung up the phone, we felt like she had literally been handed back to us and we kind of liked that feeling. 
So we continued to pray and we asked God for direction and we asked God to, to show our family what we were supposed to do. On Monday and Tuesday of that week, remember I'm the type A planner, I realized at the end of the day Tuesday, I had crossed out everything on my planner for two days. Not one thing had happened. I had written at the bottom of my calendar on those two days, God, what are you trying to teach us? It was like the best laid plans of mice and men. Nothing was going right. The next morning I get up, we have three days left and I decided I needed to remind God of that. You know, we have 72 hours before we have to make a decision. So I really am gonna need you to come through on this one. Like we need, we need loud. <laughs> I need to know for sure. We knew that if we were walking into more intense special needs than what we had originally considered, that we had to be on the same page because we could never look back and one of us be more certain than the other one. I felt like I was leaning more towards a yes at this point and Zeke was leaning more towards a no, so I wanted God to have us on the same page. We prayed throughout the day and then we finally heard back from those geneticists that day and they told us the same thing. Even if they could see her, even if they could redo her genetic testing, even if it was exactly what they said in China, they couldn't tell us what that would mean for her future. You could have twins that have the same genetic condition same chromosome abnormalities, and it looks different. It manifests itself different in both of them. So there was no way to know for sure, just like there's no way to know for sure with any of our babies what the future will hold. It really came down to whether we were willing to take the leap of faith. So we prayed, okay, God, show us. If this is what you have for our family, we're open, but we need you to show us and we need you to be clear. Friday night, I clicked on Facebook, and lo and behold, there's her picture, the same picture that we had seen for two weeks almost now in this file. And there was a link to a blog post that Lifeline had shared with her story. So we were able to see that. We were able to watch a video of the foster center director talking about her story, and we were able to hear a little bit more personally about her. Later that night, about 1 a.m., I clicked on Facebook again, and there was a post in the Lifeline China group of a mom who was looking to send a care package to Swayshi and wanted to know if anyone was traveling that way soon. There wasn't anyone traveling that way soon, but there were two women who had commented and just those comments jumped out at me. They told her that they had been with her baby, they had seen her, and if she would like more information that she could message them, and because sometimes it helps to have that you know personal view. Well, I ignored all Facebook etiquette and hijacked her post. <laughs> I commented away and said, please, I need help. Zeke and I had said we would love to just fly to China and just see her and just see what she was like. And if we couldn't, it would be great to talk to someone who had been there. And so we, um, I contacted them. I sent Facebook messages and friend requests, hoping that that would be seen. And so went to bed. The next morning I woke up and clicked on my email. There it is again everywhere, like we could not escape. Her story was an, in a Lifeline email that we had just received. So we read her story again and we check Facebook and we have messages. And one of the ladies had messaged me back and told me that she worked with unadopted and she had actually been with our daughter several times. She told me that she was a sweet and lovable little girl and that she was easy to fall in love with. Well, I immediately was like, yes, I knew it. I knew this, I knew it the whole time. And so, um, <laughs> so 
she was so gracious on a Saturday to email back and forth with me and to share with me some information. Of course, she didn't have the crystal ball either, but what she did tell me was that she was a sweet and lovable little girl and that she had come a long way from the first time she had stood over her crib and looked at her in Swayshi. I was able to see her through the eyes of someone who saw her as a person and as a child, the way that she was meant to be seen, not as a file, not with lots of question marks and X's and, and things marked out and things that didn't come over in translation. And I was able to see her through the eyes of someone who loved her. And so I gave in and I loved her too, without reservation. It didn't matter to me, nothing else mattered. I loved this little girl. So Zeke and I shared some of the stories that she shared. We emailed back and forth. We asked for more information. And then finally he looked at me and said, where are you? Because at that point, it seemed like it was so loud in the room. It seemed like we had seen her picture everywhere. We had heard stories. It was just, it was loud. That's the only way to describe it. God had gotten loud. So I just turned it around and said, okay, where are you? He said, I'm ready to give this story to God and see what he does with it. Well, I'm a crier, so I started crying. And he knew that meant yes. <laughs> and so we, we said yes. We said yes to each other. We knew at that point that it was a yes. And immediately we felt that relief that comes with surrender. All of that scary stuff just kind of melted away the moment that we called her a daughter. The next day we emailed our social worker and uh, called her and said yes. So our story doesn't end there. A couple of days later, we got another phone call from our social worker and she said, we kind of have a crazy story. You know that she needs heart surgery and China typically likes to do their own heart repairs. However, she was so sick initially that she was not able to have the surgery before she was a year old, which is what they, they prefer. So at her one year birthday, the government had come back and said, we're ready to do heart surgery now and it, it's time. When they found out that she had a family coming, they were very respectful of the family, which was us, and they wanted us to be able to be with her during that time. Well, of course, my head is spinning. How are we gonna make two trips to China? Do we get to stay with her? Do we get to bring her home then? How does this work? China offered to expedite her file so that instead of having to wait four to five months to travel, we could travel as soon as all of the paperwork could get done. It kind of baffled all of our, uh, our people to be honest, because by all accounts at this point, she was healthy, she was growing, she was doing well. There was not an imminent need for surgery. So we just went with it. Like this mom was ready to get on a plane the day that I said yes to her. So I, I'm good, let me get there. So fast forward and we traveled to China in February of last year. We came home and visited the cardiologist and they wanted to do surgery pretty much immediately. On March 21st, we were at Children's Hospital with our little girl. Her name is Judy Lynn. And the hardest thing, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was to hand her over at the door to the operating room. Once we did that, we went back and sat down and I started to think back over her story while we were waiting. I thought about how she was left on those orphanage steps at only a couple of days old. How when she was four months old and weighed seven pounds that Lifeline's unadopted team came and saw her and asked for her to be taken to the foster center and was granted same day permission, which was unprecedented for her to go to the foster center. How she spent a week in the hospital and those nannies from the foster center took turns caring for her round the clock, even in the hospital, which doesn't happen for orphans in China. How people were amazed at the love that an orphan would have from people who didn't even know her. 
how she came back to the foster center and began to grow and to thrive, and then how she ended up there with us so that her heart could be healed and made whole all in that one day. So I started to message some of those same ladies who were now not just Facebook names, but who were actually friends or even considered family. And when I messaged one of them, she said, she messaged me back and said, hey, if you need a distraction this morning, could you please pray? Could you just please pray for those other babies in the foster center? I can't explain, I can't give any details, but they need to be covered in prayer right now. So we began to pray and we added them to the prayers that we were already praying that morning. Not long after I saw a Facebook post, because of the NGO laws in China, the foster center had been shut down. And so that day, while Judy Lynn was in surgery and her heart was being fixed, those babies were being sent back to the orphanage where she almost died. They had just closed the doors on the van and sent the van back to Swayshi. Matt said it best, I think. He said, God's timing never ceases to amaze me. And it never ceased to amaze me that day either. On the day that her heart could have been broken again, in those details, in God's just amazing plan, because of her file being expedited, because of all of these events that had played out, rather than her heart being broken again, it was healed and it was made whole. And so now that crying baby from Swayshi is a happy, still tiny, but a happy little baby in Alabama. And we are more convinced than ever that God sets the orphan in families. He is in charge of every detail. He knows the tiniest details in our lives and he uses them all for his glory and for his good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.